0: to the What's Right broadcast, Lunch Plus. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday. It's an awesome day today. Restream is logging on. It's It's being a little bit slow right now, so I'm going to say hi to people on Facebook, but if you're on YouTube, I'll say hi to you just as soon as it decides to log on for me. I see Johnny is on. Lisa is on. Holly's on. I just saw Mr. Chris hop on. Kevin says, good afternoon, What's Right family. Make sure that as you are logging on today that you, number one, share the broadcast so that somebody that you know can watch and receive what the Lord has for them today. And number two, so that we can say hi to you. If you don't comment, we can't all, 100% all the time guarantee that we're going to be able to say hi to you. So if you comment, we'll be able to say hi. Hope that you all have had a great day. Marky and I have been bonding over the last five minutes about our Disney Channel original movie trivia knowledge that we have. It's, it's pretty high and not like now Disney channel original movies, but like early two thousands. It's, it's a pretty rich knowledge that we have. (laughs) Mr. Chris is waving Mr. Mark. (sighs) I was going to ask if any of you watched it, but I, I think Marky and I are like a generation behind the people who are on at this exact moment in time. So if like, if I start saying like the cheetah girls or the even Stevens movie, Do you guys know what that is? (laughs) Let's see if you can, if you can bond with Marky and I. And while we do that, we're just so excited to have you with us today. We're going to be continuing our The Man Who Would Be King series. Make sure that you do share the broadcast. We are, what we put out is it's free for you, for anybody who wants to watch it. And we just want to get the good news to as many people as possible. But, As you guys are hopping on and you're commenting you're telling me who you are and where you're watching from so that I can say hello to you it is time to play this or that because I want to get to know you guys even better so let's play this or that today we've got a couple questions coming up for you and I hear some music there is jamming happening (laughs) okay this or that are you a morning person or an evening person not which would you like to be, but which, which one are you? I, I am not 100% sure which one I am. <laughs> Julie says, hello. Holly, you remember the cheetah girls? Holly. Kevin does not remember, Marky. <laughs> Johnny remembers too. I didn't realize that that was within y'all. Y'all are a couple years older than me. I thought that I didn't know if you'd remember. I'm so pleased that you do. Okay. Going back to this or that. I think I am... I don't know. I'm going to read your responses while I decide. Johnny says he's an evening person. Natalie's an evening person. Mr. Chris is an evening person. You can cut back to me. Which one are y'all? Are you this or are are you morning or are you evening? I... I don't really know. I feel like I'm a mid-afternoon person, but that wasn't an option I gave. <laughs> That's me pulling out a Switzerland card, and I don't think I get to do that because I sass y'all when you do that. I think if I'm being honest, I, I want to be a morning person, and I really like the mornings. And I'm productive in the mornings, but I naturally enjoy staying up later. So... I think evening, but I really like mornings better. I'm just, I don't know. I'm transitioning is what I am. (laughs) Kevin says evenings, but he pops tall in the AM very well. I've never heard that phrase before. I had to read it slower in my mind before I read it out loud because I'm like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) Holly says she's more morning, but she likes evenings better. Lisa says she's evenings Prilla says she's more of a night owl if she had to choose one, but she can do mornings easy too. And Miss Charlotte is waving. Hey, Charlotte, we're so excited to have you. Thank you for being on the broadcast. Remember to comment so that we can say hi to you and share the broadcast. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like mornings. I really do like mornings, and I am much more productive in the morning. I think that's what it is. I'm more productive in the morning, and the evening ends up being fun time. I'm less work in the evening, but in the morning I'm more work-oriented. I think that's accurate. Okay, next. Everybody else was evening except for Miss Sharla. Miss Sharla is a morning person.
1: Hmm. I would expect more morning people.
0: I would too. I was a bit surprised. But the shavers are on, so I know they're evening people. Okay, this one I have found to be a very polarizing question. I included both DC and Marvel because it's basically the same character in either way. Which, Which one are you? Are you a Captain America or Superman person? Or are you an Iron Man, Batman person? In DC world, Batman is Basically, the same thing as Iron Man. That's
1: funny because I'm flip flop. Are you? You're flip
0: flop for both, like for DC and Marvel?
1: I'm an Iron Man Superman combo.
0: Are you?
1: I didn't know that. I think so.
0: I thought you were Captain America. This makes me excited.
1: Yeah, I would be probably Iron Man. Abigail, are you
0: watching right now? Where are you? (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) I am an Iron Man, Batman person. But to Superman's credit, I don't know as though I've watched an entire Superman by itself. I've watched Batman versus Superman. And in that movie, it was very Batman heavy. So it it supported me liking Batman better. I mean,
1: I like them all. I like Batman a lot and grew up on... Grew up on the, um, oh, gracious, I can see his face, but I, I'm forgetting his name at the moment. The older Batman. Christopher Reeve? No, that's Superman. Uh, I didn't <laughs> know where we were. I was <laughs> no.
0: George Clooney is Batman. Is he your favorite Batman?
1: No, <laughs> no.
0: Somewhere. No. Someday George is gonna hear that.
1: My favorite my favorite Batman would have been Christian Bell in terms of Yes. But I grew up with uh oh gracious somebody could tell me who it was. But the pow bang boom Batman. I grew up on that. Um with all the pow bang boom. Yeah. Oh man, I can't think of his name right now. That's horrible. I just had it the other day. I was talking to somebody about it.
0: So. I bet Johnny can tell you.
1: I guarantee you. <laughs>
0: Okay, I see that Lisa Not says... Not Michael
1: Keaton, <laughs> although I do like I do like, uh, Bat-Dance. Adam West, thank you, Johnny, Adam West.
0: Lisa's Captain America, Johnny's Batman, Holly is Captain America for Marvel and Batman for DC, Johnny is Captain America, really Johnny? <laughs>
1: Taylor, <laughs> that's one of my favorite comments. What do you say? I'm hearting that. <laughs>
0: buddy's captain america and batman chris is iron man chris way to go
1: taylor iron man wears taylor mccaffrey (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts that's awesome
0: says she's superman then captain america but she loves me some tony stark iron man too um nat is iron man and captain america and Marky says she literally watched trailers of Superman on YouTube last night because she couldn't find them elsewhere.
1: Charla says Star Wars. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> hey, I grew up on Star Wars, so I like Star Wars a lot.
0: But, your mom says that she's joining late, but she's your a morning mom person. Says, <sighs> your mom. Your mom's late today. <laughs> we
1: got a laugh out of Marky back <laughs> there.
0: Yeah, I am much more of an Iron Man. but I, don't, I, I like Captain America fine, but I, I prefer Iron Man. That was the first superhero movie I actually watched and liked, <laughs> so it opened up the world to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought he played Iron Man to a T. Yes, um, he he played that great, and uh, I was just really, what, uh, I was impressed.
0: What's he played it so well that I'm unfortunately Doolittle was the next movie and that was not great, but I'm. I feel like I'm gonna have a difficult time seeing him as anybody other than Tony Stark. So even if he played James Bond, I'd be like, no, that's Iron Man playing James yeah. Bond right
1: now. <laughs> well, didn't he play the Sherlock Holmes too? He, he did. did. He like did pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty good.
0: Yeah, but I feel like Sherlock Holmes and Iron Man are similar. Like they're both that smart alecky like person. <laughs> Yeah. He's just good at that. Person. I,
1: what I la- really like about Robert Downey Jr. is the fact that he he had a serious problem, a yeah. serious drug problem, stuff like that. And he overcame it. I love that. Yeah. I, I think that that's just awesome. And when you see it, um, when you see him operate, why is that give up right now? We can take that off. Um, one of the things that um, When you see him playing that role, uh, I think it's just (laughs) Marky. All I'm, I'm talking. There we go. (laughs) It's me over here. (laughs) (laughs) Bloopers and outtakes. It's awesome. (laughs) That's the thing about live. Stuff happens. You know, there's things that go on. But anyway. I think that Robert Downey Jr. played that role to a T and you know he he put on the bravado of not having a heart. Uh, but then of course you see it and it just I was I was crying. I was tearing up in the last movie for sure. If you haven't seen it, I have no idea why I was tearing up, don't worry about it. Just go watch it and you'll figure it out when you only good things happen. Yeah, it's only good things happen, nothing bad at all. Have really high expectations the world is saved. The hills are alive with the sound of music. Just go watch it. All right.
0: <laughs> go in expecting puppies and rainbows. It'll be great. You'll love us. Come back and talk to us about it.
1: <laughs> uh.
0: Abby was just talking about how she watched it the other night with Rachel. And she's like, I cried through the whole thing. I wasn't emotionally prepared. And she's seen it. out It was times.
1: the <laughs> very first one of the... Um, was it end game where in five minutes there's Hawkeye with his family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, both of us, we, Nicole and I were watching it, and we were like, what the heck is wrong with these people? <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong? With, what is the matter with these people? <laughs>
0: oh, goodness. I, I do like Robert Downey Jr. for that reason, too. Like, he had to he had to choose.
1: Guess who? Thanos, Thanos I say Thanos, but guess who Thanos is right now? <laughs> Bill Gates.
0: <laughs> I love whenever you get pleased with himself. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Bill Gates. Good logic. Way to go. <laughs>
0: How do we do with viewers? <laughs> do we lose anyone? Any at- <laughs> 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 Anywho. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Okay, put up, uh, <laughs> we have two more, but will you put up the pancake one?
1: Pancake? Oh, we got more. I was, <laughs> whoops. Thanos gates.
0: We have, we have one that Jeez. I. I did for you. And because I feel like you're going to you're gonna get mad at me again, like the popcorn and candy one. Would you rather have pancakes or waffles? Wow. Yep. Are you a pancake person or a waffle person? Which wow. one are you?
1: I have a vote, actually. Do you? Yep. Oh, we lost like four people. Maybe they could, <laughs> they took, t- couldn't take Thanos gates.
0: <laughs> awesome. Kevin says it's going to be that kind of day. <laughs> <laughs> I've been
1: spending all morning with the Lord. It's been... It's going to be good.
0: Amen. Pastor Nicole, that is not an option that's given. She says French toast.
1: Let's see what everybody says. We want to know, what do you like?
0: Holly and Natalie and Johnny all say pancakes. The Shaver Wagner family is coming in strong for the pancakes.
1: Waffles.
0: Belgium waffles. What's the difference between a Belgium waffle and a normal waffle? Thickness? Thicker, yeah. Charlotte
1: pancakes
0: pancakes I didn't know what that was I'm like
1: that's a beautiful stack of pancakes (laughs) with a pat of butter on top
0: your mom says that it depends on who cooks them both but you got to pick one Miss Jan if you can only have one you're going to a desert island and you only get one all
1: right so this is what I'm curious about raise your hand if legitimately you're happy with both like you don't hate the other one if you really could go with either one if that's you raise your hand because I could definitely do that because they're saying they have a choice which is cool it's a tough one for me but they have a choice which is cool but I bet most people would be happy with either one I really like going like on a Saturday morning and getting some good pancakes and bacon and Mm
0: -hmm. that's awesome Kevin, Kevin is is my answer. I understand. What do you say? Pancakes all day long, but being from Vermont must have real maple sugar syrup for all y'all.
1: Well, it's Kevin, valid. I have Vermont maple syrup in my pantry as we speak. Me too. Multiple types of Vermont pure maple syrup. Everybody's, because we went to Vermont and at the beginning of the year. You know, back when travel was there and Thanos didn't control the world. And um Love you, praying for you. mean it. I You know when people had a life. You know, I've not been sassy all morning. I I come up here, apparently the Lord wants that to happen today, but no. I'm I know it'll change. But right now it's like This is not just, this is not just Brian. This is the Holy Ghost is, the Holy Ghost is doing something. I want you to prepare for, prepare your heart for um, Pentecost Sunday. Something's up in the spirit. I'm just telling you, something is up in the spirit. Glory to God. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know what exactly. I don't have those details. I can just, I can sense it. Something's up. Something was up over Passover. Something was up over Easter. It was different. It was a different year. Something's up on Pentecost Sunday. I think we're gonna have breakout. So hallelujah. Amen. I would say pancakes. I would but I could eat either one so easily. So but it's really awesome. It depends on how they're made too. So
0: I'm a pancaker.
1: Look at and that. She got the orange what's right logo on there to match to complement my blue shirt.
0: She did. That Contrast.
1: Was, that was very impressive, Marky. Mm-hmm. Well played.
0: Look at Marky Eleanor, production well crew to the stars.
1: Pastor Doug Vanille, hello. I love you. Good to see you. So, the man who would be king, um, I'm ready to jump in. You ready? You done? anything else
0: i turned my mic off i was done see ya (laughs) later thanks for being here your
1: shirt looks very nice with that background thank you yeah i was i saw i saw it as i was coming in thank you the camera
0: it was really funny before you got here the camera was a totally different tone when it was panned to you and when it got panned to me it got tanner because the camera knows my preference (laughs) so it made me look nice and tan
1: the camera knows
0: i have although for those of you that can't tell i do have sunburns from sunday it's not just pastor i'm burned here and then i got some burn on my chest from sitting just sitting outside so your congregation it wasn't very
1: hot outside either nope. but it was sunny
0: your congregation's yeah. going to be extra tan
1: that's awesome
0: okay <laughs> bye no
1: because we're going to move inside before long because Amen. it's going to open up in jesus name Amen. hallelujah Taylor says, 20 bucks says I get called again, so we'll see how long I'm on. If you say so, Taylor. I'm not believing that for you, but if you say so, I will agree with you. Is that what you'd like for me to agree with you on? Mess <laughs> <That's> so... <laughs> uh, Yeah, Paul's I, Paul's shirts, I've missed them too. He's had a lot of uh, work here recently, so that's been great. But uh, anyway, all right, so I want you, you know, it's interesting if you look at it, I, I am starting to, I feel pretty confident in this. Um, you know, I don't, the word says that we see through a glass darkly, but let me give you something to look forward to. The word says we see through a glass darkly, um, but we can also have the mind of Christ. Uh, so we can have the mind of Christ. And we can see the mysteries. The mysteries are not supposed to be hidden to the body of Christ. We can pray out the mysteries in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, 27 by the Holy Ghost. But, and so sometimes we'll get clued into things. Uh, So for example, if you go back and even just watch, uh, if you just watch around Passover, you'll see on several of the broadcasts, I said, something's up with Passover, something's up with Easter, something's going to happen spiritually. One of the things looking back on it now that I see is that right before Passover and Easter, that I mean the forecast looked horrible. And one one thing that I think that people miss all the time is, do you think that we're going to uh see in heaven potentially uh, do you think that we 'll be aware of things that we were saved from, in other words, things that never came to us, but actually the Lord held back. I think if we actually knew how many things God saved us from, we would just be praising God all the time. I think it's very possible that around Passover uh, that the coronavirus actually was stronger and more powerful, more along the lines of what they were saying. Uh, maybe not as high as they were saying, but still definitely more powerful. Uh, but then it's like the power got jerked out from it. Well, that's what happens when you apply the blood and when the life of Christ. I think you had Christians praying, and I think around Passover you saw a major just thread of power pulled right out of that virus. Something shifted right on that week. Well, I also believe that uh, heading into Passover, uh, and that's one of those things we won't know unless we could see completely in the Spirit, but I think heading uh, into Passover, uh, we're going to see the power of God released in a way. I think literally we are seeing this year in 2020 I think we are seeing a replay of events in the spirit from Passover, uh, the crucifixion and uh, pa- and excuse me, Pentecost that we saw played out in the book of Acts. I think that we are seeing in the gospels in the book of Acts I think we're seeing this final shift into this end time and uh, it's exciting. Now it's not exciting if you don't know who you are in Christ but if you know who you are in Christ it's very exciting and if you don't know who you are in Christ you can be. That's why we're on here. That's why we have these broadcasts but I think that you ought to and I just would say that I believe I feel led. Get your ex expectation up for passover there is going to be an awakening in this nation and in the world like we have never seen before it's time for an awakening and I think that this this uh, Pentecost uh, plays into it I think I said passover again this Pentecost coming up plays into it I believe it's the last uh, Pentecost counted out. It'll be uh, seven weeks from Easter. I think it's the last Sunday in May. I believe that you are going to see a major uh, leveling up. ...in the things of the Spirit, and I think that you're going to see a people come alive. I was talking with a good friend of mine the other day, Pastor Bill Baldwin. It was funny. He said, I got this revelation, and I actually videoed it for our congregation the other day. He said, and then the next morning I saw that somebody had written a major article about the very same thing, and I want to share it with you. This is what he shared with me. I thought this was terrific, is that many people, one of the things that we're seeing during the lockdown is that people are realizing that a large portion of their spiritual intimacy with God was on Sunday morning in the corporate environment, which I will say is very, very important. Huge, very important. However... It's not everything. The gist of our relationship should actually spawn from our personal intimacy with God. And then when we come together out of that personal in- intimacy, it explodes every Sunday morning that we meet at, the, at a place, at a building. When the church assembles, comes out of their home and comes together, it should explode. But how will it explode if the church on Sunday is the only time that we eat? How can you have a powerful explosion in that way? Uh, What is supposed to happen is that we have an intimacy with God every single day. And what Pastor Bill shared with me, that the Lord shared with him, uh, was that when we had Passover, he said the Lord himself sent them into their homes uh, now, I'm not saying that God sent us into our homes, but I'm saying there's mirrors here, there's types and shadows. And so here we are, we find ourselves in our homes. What were they supposed to do at Passover? They were supposed to seclude themselves, go in with their family, eat the unleavened bread, which, which represents putting on holiness, and then they were supposed to eat the lamb. In other words, they were supposed to be very intimate with Jesus. So during this period of time, for those who are listening, ramp up your personal, intimate fellowship with Jesus Christ and watch what God can do. Put on holiness. Repent for anything that's that's not been uh, God. Make sure that you repent. Step away from it. Move into intimacy, your prayer time, your worship, your Bible time with Jesus ingest him, you know, take him in. In other words, what he said by symbolism, eat my flesh, drink my blood, I'm abiding you and you abide in me. And he's basically saying, watch what happens. The death passes over us and we come out full of health and provision moving into the last days and a great awakening of God. That's what you're seeing right now. And so just when Thanos thought, ...that He had us, everything turned by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Glory to God. (laughs) Hey, Brandy, good to see you. Michael Braswell, Rebecca Beard, anybody else that's on? Hey, just give me a quick wave right now, drop it in the comments. Wave and tell me where you're watching from. And let's get into the man who would be king, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 20. 1 Samuel chapter 20, and we're going to go first to verse 17. First Samuel chapter 20 and verse 17. And what I want you to see is this, that when we're talking about the man who would be king, we're talking about the, the mankind, any person who would be king, who would be a president, who would be a leader in any capacity the person who would be the CEO of a company, who would be the founder, who would be the inventor of a product for a company, the person who would be the shift supervisor, the person who would be a team leader, the person who would lead Sunday school, the person who would just be a child of God called to make disciples. That person is a leader. The fivefold ascension gifts, the fivefold ministers, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. That's what this series is about. The question is, are you given to study to show yourself approved? Are you given to take what's preached, go into the Word like the Bereans in Acts 17, and be the most noble that you can be, searching the Scriptures to find out, is this God? Is this right? Is this what He has for me? And so today I want to give you some more of that. And uh, it really looks some more at covenant. And I can't tell you how important... Covenant is. I can't tell you how important covenant is to God. Uh, even tonight in our impact class, we're starting uh, tonight a new uh, topic, a new class, that, talking about the blood covenant. Oh, I am looking forward to it so much. <laughs> I love this topic. Our our text is uh, E.W. Kenyon's The Blood Covenant book. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be so good. Barrett said last week she went to, went to start doing her reading. She said, I read through the whole book. I couldn't stop reading. I know, it's a great book. I found it years ago and I read it on a regular basis and it's just awesome. The Blood Covenant by E.W. Kenyon. All right, let's look at 1 Samuel 20 and verse 17. Jonathan made David vow again. Jonathan made David vow again because of his love for him, because he loved him as he loved his own life. And we talked about that so much the other day. If you're going to be a covenant person, you have to carry a love for others as you love yourself. Christ loved the church and he gave himself for her. Uh, The New Testament tells us, consider others higher than yourself. Well, in order to consider others higher than yourself, then you have to be thinking about them. You have to think, think about other people constantly. I'm, I'm watching people, and even Christians, who are constantly not thinking about other people, not thinking about the position that they put them in. And you can tell it even in the little things. You know, people will say, for example, uh, how you park at the, at the store. You know, if you park uh, cockeyed in a in a parking space, one person on either side is going to have a hard time parking. That's not taking someone else into consideration. That's only taking into consideration your own comfort and your own stuff. And so when we're in love and we're covenant people, we're taking other people into consideration. We're, we're saying, look, I'm not going to make it hard on somebody else just because I'm in a rush. I'm not going to make it hard. It's these little things. These things are the character pieces that keep leaders in the place where they should be. Many people over, override them they overlook them, they don't even consider them because they're only thinking about themselves. Uh, you see these little things all over the place. You see it uh, where people will walk in a door and let it slam on the person behind them. They're not looking at anybody else. The only person they're considering is their self. Now, there's a moment where you break new ground, you go forward, and I mean, you just, you, you know, to the ground, you just, you bowl over the ground. But you don't do that with people. There's a moment where you have to go into that. Now, if you're in battle, that's another thing. If you're in the middle of a war... That's a different kind of thing. But we should always be considering people, even in the tough circumstances, even in the tough situations. We need to be considerate of others. Consider others higher than myself. How am I going to consider somebody else higher than myself if I don't even care if it costs them uh, how they park? If I won't do it in the little thing, I'm not going to do it in the big thing. And so I won't do it now. I won't do it when I get to a higher place of promotion in God. And so how is God going to promote you if you're not going to see those things? Now, different people have giftings, but this is just it. They may have a great gifting of God, but they won't stay there if they don't change their character. If they don't change their character, that pride and that lack of consideration, lack of covenant, lack of humility and submission, it will not keep them in the place that the gift made room for them. They will fall because pride goes before a fall. Now, one other thing, you're right. Uh, my wife says, "Preach it." If you're parking and you return your buggy, it says a lot about a person. It does. In other words, that's what, you know. I hear some people say that's what they get paid for. Well, how who cares? How about we give to that person so they have less to do? You know. How about we give to that company so that they don't have to pay somebody to do extra work? They can actually bring more quality inside. See, this is not thinking all the way through something. We we're making an excuse. For our pride, we're making an excuse uh, for not considering other people. No, consider people. You know, it, this is one of those things. It's like hard for me to imagine that you read through this and people don't grasp be, grasp these things. Listen, get a hold of considering other people higher than yourself. Now look at this, uh, verse twenty three. It says, "As for the agreement of which you and I have spoken, behold." The Lord is between you and me forever. So Jonathan loved David as himself. Jonathan loved David as himself. And then you see this. Covenant, covenant loves the other person as themselves. Two, covenant sees it as forever. Well, you've heard me say this so many times if you've been listening at, at all. Uh, you start to see... That when you actually move into covenant thinking, you can't just burn bridges. I don't care what somebody does. You don't just burn bridges. Do you understand that as, a, as humanity, we did the worst thing that we could ever do. We burnt the bridge between us and God. But I want you to see this. But God, even though we were enemies of God and did that to God, God praised the Lord. He did not burn the bridge to us. Matter of fact, he found a way to rebuild what we had burned. He found a way. See, this is the heart of God. And yet I watch as people, Christians, they will burn a bridge quicker than anything and they think that God's going to give them favor and promote them when they can't even stand and keep the bridge up. They don't stand to guard the bridge, to hold the bridge. No, they're just like, oh, I didn't like what you said about me there. No, I disagree with that doctrine. And burn the bridge. It's so quick. People are like, no, I didn't like what that preacher said. You know, we think that we have a right to tell God where we're supposed to be planted. No, God tells us where we're supposed to be planted. And and you watch as people, they'll just jump from church to church to church. And then they'll sit there and say, oh yeah, God's going to promote, God's going God's to give me all this stuff. you got to understand, God is merciful, but everything good that comes your way is not because you deserved it. It can just be because He was merciful, because He's a loving God. And so these, this is real talk. That if you want to mature in Christ, you have to start putting on some of these levels. If you want to be a leader that is ready for promotion and exaltation, if you want to be a leader that's ready for God to promote, if you want to be a leader that God can trust, you've got you to work. We must, we must work on some of these elements of our character. It's, it's non-negotiable. We cannot hear this. We cannot achieve the destiny of God if we don't give ourselves to the discipline of our character. We cannot achieve the destiny of God for our lives if we don't give ourselves to the discipline of our character. And one of the most key, integral pieces of our character is covenant heart and a covenant mind. A covenant heart and a covenant mind. I love you as I love myself. I love you as I love myself. And we're together forever. We're together forever. We're together forever. So you start to see these links that God makes, and all of a sudden you just want to cut and run. You want to cut and run? You know, I have leaders. Amen. Barrett said, I've been able to witness to people because I've put away someone else's abandoned buggy. It may seem small, but people notice. They do notice. Marcus says, the way you and Pastor Nicole don't burn bridges with people has blessed me a lot. Amen. Um. Thank you for posting that, Rebecca. She said, We cannot achieve the destiny of God for our lives if we don't give ourselves to the discipline of our character. That's exactly right. I, I have leaders in my life, even now, and I've seen them. I have great leaders that God has supernaturally connected me to. But I've watched them, and I know, I recognize it because I've felt the same way. I've watched them get hesitant when they and I have hit a bumpy spot in our relationship? Why would they be hesitant? Why would they be watching that closer than normal? Because they've had so many people that say, oh, pastor, I'm with you forever. And then two months later, they're gone. Like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, as a pastor, and this is something each one of us needs to work on. As a pastor, when somebody tells me that, I know, generally speaking, it's only a matter of a few months before they're gone. Because it's on their heart, it's on their mind, that's why they're saying it. And I've I've learned uh, to actually not like that when somebody says, oh, I'll be with you forever. I just love this place, you're the greatest pastor ever. I almost despise those comments. I don't, but I've gotten to the place. Why? Because I've found that the majority of people don't mean what they're saying. They're given lip service. Why? Because the character's not developed. We we have been in America such uh, at a low state, such a low average of what God calls normal. We posted it this morning, uh, the the broadcast we had the other day. What, does, what is God's normal? We put it on Facebook, put it on YouTube. Uh, go back and watch that again. Another one to watch again was yesterday. Wow, the Lord poured out. But here's why I want you to see. I've watched my leaders get hesitant, you know, just when you know. And here's the other thing. Two two things, I, w- I want you to see this, I, and I I totally understand this, I totally get it, but I've watched my leaders say. Uh You know, as soon as something comes up, there's a hurdle. Either I need to learn something, they need to correct me and discipline me, or they've done something wrong and missed it, which they miss it too. God didn't connect me to them because they had been perfect all of their lives. He connected me to them because they had achieved, even though they weren't perfect in Christ, they had attained some things. They had won some victories. They were faithful. That's why he connected me, not because they were perfect. Because they learned how, even in their imperfection of the flesh, to draw by faith Christ into them and go forward. I'm not necessarily, I'm not looking for leaders that always mess up chronically. I'm looking for leaders that, if they do mess up, they know how to get ahead, they know how to win. So for me to say that they have to be perfect for me to stay with them for the rest of my life, that's, that's who's gonna do that? Who's gonna do that? The Lord asked me one time, he said, he said, if you had to be perfect to get in a pulpit and preach, who would preach? I was like, great point. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody would. The only person who ever would ever be qualified was Jesus, and he's in heaven, yet he still called us to preach. And so one of the things I've seen is I've seen my leaders get kind of, you know They'll kind of put a microscope on a period of time when we have a bumpy part. Either I need, the, I need correction, and here's the reason. They don't know how I'm going to receive that correction. Do you know why they don't know? Because they've watched a plethora of people, a vast amount of people, ministers, get to the place of correction, and they freak out. They lose their mind. Because the character's not developed, and they think that they're somewhere. I was on the phone just this morning, and it's, it's a minister uh, who's moving into ministry. And they said, for so many years, I just wanted to be a minister. But I look at it now, and I am praising God. I mean, for, for over a decade, I'm praising God He did not put me into ministry because I realize now how much I would have hurt people. Because where I thought I was, I wasn't. Where I thought I was, I wasn't. That's maturity. That's the kind of stuff where we have to say, okay, Lord, you, you're working on me. And where I think I am, I probably am not there. Because where you are, I'm having a hard time even asking, thinking, or imagining it. And so you're a lot higher than I can even ask or think or imagine. So where I am is probably a lot lower. than than I've been thinking as well. Now that doesn't mean that we're horrible people. It just means God's so big we've got a lot of room to grow and let's not in pride assume that we have arrived. Let's not put on a rival mentality. And so a lot of ministers... And people in the church have put on an arrival mentality. And so when leaders and the people that they're connected to see a chance that they need to be corrected or disciplined, they're like, let me treat it with kid gloves because most of this world, they think that they're mature. But as soon as some correction comes, they flip out because they're more given to the flesh than they are the spirit. And so I've watched my leaders get hesitant. And then if here's the other thing. And, and if that person doesn't fully receive and submit to that correction, then there's always going to be that lingering thought in their flesh that their leader doesn't know what they're talking about. And so they can leave that wedge there, not deal with it, not judge themselves, go five years down the road and implode. And all of a sudden that link is lost and that, and that so-called... Uh, you know, disciple of this leader burns the bridge because. of it. So I've seen my leaders be hesitant with stuff like that. And then, what if the leader actually messes up and misses it? Not too long ago, I, I received a phone call from one of my leaders, and I and they said, "He said, hey, I wanted to apologize to you." Okay, and uh, I, I knew what they were talking about, but they said, "I want to apologize to you because I don't want to leave anything there." And um, even in the speech, I'm like. I'm hearing hesitancy, and it's not hesitating to apologize. Uh, The hesitancy is, is now the disciple going to think that the leader owes them something or that, that I'm now grown beyond them? That's a reality for leaders, whereas the disciple ought to say, Listen, God put us together. I'm not leaving you. I don't care if you messed up. How you, this, is, this proves why I'm with you because of this apology right here. This proves why. And I said, listen, even if, you, even if you cussed me, I don't know if I told him this, but I said something along those lines. Even if you cussed me, God has put us together. Until I see you completely fall off the immoral track, I'm following you. I'm following you. I understand because there may be something I don't understand. Look, the Lord did this, not me. The Lord did this, not you. And so I'm going to honor what the Lord did over my feelings. But I notice because many times when this is why a leader many times can't apologize to people in the, in the way that they want to because... Our maturity level in our character and our covenant thinking and covenant heart has been so low that the moment that that leader apologizes, that person flips out in pride and thinks that they're greater than the leader. Not recognizing that the Lord knew all of this ahead of time and he connected them for a reason. He connected them for a reason. And he's the one, God's the one who can see eternally. This is not a man-made connection. That's why it's important to only have God, God connections, though. You want to hear from the Lord. This is, this is why. It doesn't matter how you feel or what you look at. God's made that connection. He plants us, and He doesn't plant us with a democratic mindset. He plants us with a covenant mindset. And until we become covenant-hearted and covenant-thinkers, I love you as I love myself, and this covenant is forever. Until we become covenant-minded and covenant-thinkers, We can't be the leaders that God's called us to be. We can't be trusted to go up to the levels that God's called us to be. And it doesn't start once you're in the leadership position. It starts when you're connected to the leader that God put in your life. It starts at marriage. It starts at dating. It starts as parents live a covenant life in front of their children. It starts as parents teach a covenant mindset and speak covenant things and teach covenant heart in front of their babies. That's where it starts. And so in order for us to be, see, this is supposed to multiply on itself and to grow and be stronger. Yet what we've seen is actually we've seen in America and in our society and in our churches. There's a very big indicator. We've seen covenant go down. That's a problem. That's a red flag. Covenant thinking and covenant-mindedness goes down. See, I walked into being a pastor with a covenant thinking and covenant-mindedness. Uh, you know, obviously, I've learned even more since then. But I came in thinking that people were going to be covenant. And I was in for a rude awakening because our society was anything but. Anything but. I would try to tell people the truth. I would try to give them you know, good counsel, loving counsel. And they would say, oh, you're, Pastor, you are so loving on other people. You're so merciful and so giving. Until that discipline came to them, and that's when they lost it. In other words, I was loving with everybody else, and they could see it. But when the light shined on them, immediately, nah, I'm breaking that covenant, burning the bridge. This When that discipline comes. And go to, go to Hebrews 12, 11. You've heard me mention it before if you paid attention any at all. See who fruit. Thank you, Lord. I got an envelope in here. It's messing up my flipping of my pages. Amen. Thank you for that humility, Marky. She says, being covenant minded is something I've needed to grow in a ton. All of us have. We, we See, even me talking today, I know that I'm speaking revelation to some people. I can feel the impartation of it, but I'm telling you that I'm only scratching the surface of God's covenant. I know it. Just but Why? Because he's that good and he's that big. Hebrews 12, 11, all discipline, hear this, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. So is it going to seem to not be joyful to our inner man, to the spirit man? No. It's going to seem to not be joyful to the flesh man. It's the flesh man's response here that it's talking about. All discipline. Is it some discipline's going to be okay and some's not? No. All. God says it by the Holy Ghost. Every bit of discipline, every time, in every circumstance, to the flesh, seems. Seems. Seems to not be joyful, but even sorrowful. Yet, put it in the comments. Yet, all caps, Y-E-T. Yet, yet, to those who have been trained by discipline, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. I'm talking to people that are going to be receivers, harvesters, of the peaceful fruit of righteousness because they're going to give themselves to the discipline to the people that God has put them in covenant with it it may have been this way before now yet 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 It's not going to be that way way in the future. Before now, I might not have handled it right. Before now, I might not have been a covenant person. Before now, I might not have been a covenant-minded person. Before now, I I might not have been thinking about forever. Yet, today things change. Yet, today things change. Today things change, and we will start to eat the peaceful fruit of righteousness. The peaceful fruit of righteousness. Verse 23, 1 Samuel 20, verse 23. As for the agreement of which you and I have spoken, behold, the Lord is between you and me forever. See, when we break the covenant between you and another person, we're actually breaking the bond of Christ between yeah. us. We're breaking the bond of God. The Lord's the one that's holding it together, and we're dropping the hand of the Lord. We're dropping the hand of the Lord. Yeah. We're, dropping the of the Lord. Yeah. we're dropping the hand of God. When we break covenant, when we're not covenant-minded and covenant-hearted, we break covenant. See, even if I had a lead, I want you to know something, and I... and. People here at the church at Boomerang, they have seen this happen with the people that come here. Even if I have somebody that I am discipling or I am being discipled by, if I see them drop their morality, run away, break covenant on their own, I've already purposed in my heart, I will never drop covenant. I will never drop covenant. God's the one who put that together. And I'm telling you right now, even if some of my people who have presented themselves as my worst enemies in life, if they simply sit, came back and in, with all their heart, you know, and even if it wasn't all their heart, but they just had a desire there that God could help them get, get to. If I discerned, uh, from the Lord that they're really seriously on this, I would pick back up covenant with them just like, I never really dropped it. The key is, will they have it again? I always want to leave covenant out there because I'm not going to drop the hand of God because he's a covenant God. I'm not dropping it. I'm not dropping it. I've had people that have lied lied straight to me, told me just bold-faced lie, and I kept loving on them kept loving them for years, for decades. And this is what a covenant heart does. I've had people literally cuss me and leave the church, and I would see them out. And and the Lord said this to me, just because they did something wrong doesn't mean I give you a right to do something wrong. You love that person. And and, they, you know, and I've watched people like, I don't know what to do with this. Because you know, they, they're not feeling the same love because they dropped the covenant heart of God. And so I go to love them. It's very real. It's very genuine. One time I had a person, they didn't really know me, but I knew of their situation. I knew that they had done some, some sinful things. And they knew that I knew that. I walked by and the Lord said, Show them the love of God. I just walked by and I said, "Hey, how are you doing?" And that person contacted uh, Nicole can uh, say this as well. That person contacted back and said this. They said, "I know, basically, I know what you, I know that you're aware of what I did. Yet, when you spoke to me today." I could see the fullness of love in what you said. That was real. That was genuine. Praise God. That's what we want to be as, as believers. Amen. I said, Hey, Ted Melton, Good to see you, man. Love you. I've had people that I go up to and I, and I love on and I give them love. Why? Because I, listen, even if they broke covenant, even if they broke covenant, I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let go. I have a couple of leaders right now in my life that used to be leaders in my life and Nicole's life. If they picked back up right now and they put godliness back on, instantly we would have covenant again because my covenant has never dropped in them. Why? Because I got a revelation of it years ago. I can't be a godly person without covenant. I can't be a godly person without covenant thinking. I can't be. Does that mean that everybody that's attached to covenant is always going to do that right thing? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean it at all. Matter of fact, I can almost be assured in every person they're going to mess it up some way. And sometimes the messer-upper is going to be me. And I'm praying that they understand covenant and mercy and grace. Because I've been the messer-upper plenty of times. Hashtag, I've been the messer-upper. Yet, today, where I've messed up in covenant, we're changing that. We are changing our hearts today. Verse 23, "...as for the agreement of which you and I have spoken, behold, the Lord is between you and me forever." Verse 24, "...so David hid in the field." They had made an agreement on how to do this. "...so David hid in the field, and when the new moon came, the king sat down to eat food. The king sat on his seat as usual." the seat by the wall then jonathan rose up and abner sat down by saul's side and david's place was empty now david's place was empty because saul had been trying to kill him and he wasn't sure that saul wasn't going to try and kill him again so he's he's staying away he's keeping his distance and you see, Some people's logic would be like, well, you would always be there. The word says, "Be wise as serpents, but harmless as, as doves." Just because somebody, you know, just because somebody has hurt you and harmed you in the past, and God does want us to forgive them, doesn't mean we go back around the person. <laughs> you know, if they're still act, actively trying to hurt or harm you, you know, you don't necessarily go back around the person. And he says, "So David's seat was empty." And, and you just have to hear from God. He'll tell you what to do. Seek counsel. Nevertheless, Saul did not speak anything that day, for he thought, is it an accident? He is not clean. Surely he is not clean. Now watch this. The deception in, of Saul, the deception of Saul basically says this. Surely it's got to be them that's wrong. It couldn't be me. <laughs> This is not humility. This is the anti-leader right here. Surely it's not them. I'll tell you personally, I have a habit for myself that the Lord has given me years ago. It served me very well. Every time somebody brings something up to me, uh, something they don't like with the church, they don't like with the flow, uh, something they think I said or did wrong, um, I examine it. I test it. I look at it. It doesn't matter. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter if they're right or not. The question is, is there any piece of trivial fact in what they said that I can get better? How can I become a better communicator than to have that kind of mess up so that they misunderstood what I said, even if I'm not wrong? How is it possibly that I did mess up and I said or did the wrong thing? And I'll use that stuff to look at myself and to judge myself so that I'm not judged. Why? Because I'm always giving myself to Christ to actually get better and better. This is the this is straight Bible, Bible, biblical principle, straight biblical principle. Amen. Kevin said, I can't be a godly person without covenant. But you see, what's Saul doing here? Saul is assuming because of his hatred and his jealousy of David that David's the one in the wrong. When everybody knows it's not David, it's Saul. Pride will set you up for a huge fault, A lack of trust in the people. It will, in this case, people died because of Saul's arrogance and lack of humility at actually, honestly looking at himself. He says this. He says, verse twenty-six. He's not clean. Surely he's not clean. 27, it came about the next day, the second day of the new moon, that David's place was empty. So Saul said to Jonathan, his son, Why has the son of Jesse not come to the meal, either yesterday or today? Jonathan then answered Saul, David earnestly asked, Leave of me to go to Bethlehem. For he said, Please let me go, since our family has a sacrifice in the city. And my brother has commanded me to attend. And now, if I have found favor in your sight, please let me get away that I may see my brothers. For this reason he has not come to the king's table. Verse 30. Then Saul's anger burned against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman... Do I not know that you are choosing the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? (laughs) What Oh, that's love. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Therefore now, send and bring him to me, for he must surely die. But Jonathan answered Saul his father and said to him, Why should he be put to death? What has he done? See, this is the voice of reason coming out of the subservient person, coming out of Jonathan, his son. And and Saul's sitting there. His jealousy, his rage against David, his, his lack of of obedience to the Lord that's caused the anointing to shift, and instead of celebrating the anointing on David, he still, see, he didn't have to be a bad king. He could have been a good king. All right, maybe he's not carrying the anointing anymore, but does that mean all your choices need to go to anti-anointing and not, not actually celebrate? You could have just said, hey, God's hand's now on David. Let's celebrate him. Let's celebrate him. But no, he tried to hold on to what he thought was his, not what God had given. In other words, now the kingdom is mine. Now this is the people are mine. This is mine. And he, he had completely gotten twisted in his head, you know, and twisted like a pastor can think that the sheep that God sends to the church are his. They're not. They're God's. I'm not the shepherd, I'm an under-shepherd. I'm an under-shepherd as a pastor. They're not mine. Do I have covenant with them? Yes. Should they have covenant with me? Yes. Do I have leadership with them? Yes. Do I have responsibility for them? Yes. But are they mine? No. They're not. They're God's. Let me take it a step further. Wholeheartedly believe this. Nicole and I, we have three kids. Abigail, Rachel, Luke. We understand they are more God's kids than they are ours. For me to think that I have a right to take ownership of them as my children, oh God, please don't send them to that place. Please don't have them do this. They're not my kids. I'm a steward. That'd be a better word. Yes, it is a gift and a joy that they're in my life. And yes, it's awesome But there's a covenant that they have through the blood of Jesus that beats even the covenant that we have through our body. There's a blood that's higher than mine. It's the pure, precious blood of Jesus Christ. And that blood has connected them to their true father. I'm an underfather. I'm I'm a good steward of them. My goal is to get our kids to see God for who he truly, truly is so that they can be who they truly are in their destiny. They're not my kids first. Yes, they're my kids, but not first. Nicole is my my wife, but her number one love needs to be the father, not me. When she gets that love right and I get my love right, our love for each other perfects itself. My love perfects for the sheep that's in the flock of a shepherd when my love for the father and their love for the father is on target. Our number one connection and covenant is God. It's God first. And here, because the number one connection was not God, all of Saul's thinking got off. Now, I'm You know, I realize what I just said about family and children and everything, here's the thing. Many people can't accept that today. If I spoke that probably in a public forum, I know this is public, but you're watching because you want to grow. Uh, most people would be watching because you want to grow. If I spoke that publicly right now, can you imagine... Uh, the women's lib how they would respond to that can you imagine how the world would respond to that do you know why because the church has not shown what a covenant heart and a covenant mind is most people in the church i would say uh, probably can't accept that and the reason is because we really don't know covenant we really don't know the covenant heart of god Verse 31 again. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, he won't even call him by his name anymore, lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Talking to to Jonathan. Now he's cursing his son. Therefore, now send and bring him to me, for he must surely die. There's only one option. See, uh, watch this. Covenant, a covenant heart doesn't forget restoration. But a lack of covenant overlooks the restoring power of God. See, Paul, I mean, Saul's making an absolute statement right here. There's no no way out of this but the death of David. Well, if Saul was actually right, couldn't David ask for forgiveness? Couldn't he change his heart? Couldn't God do a work on his heart? See, this is where a lot of people don't see covenant in their marriage, and it's why their heart gets hardened, because they can't even believe that the rest restorative power of God is available. They can't believe that God is powerful enough to change their husband or their wife's heart. And so they say there's no other thing but to kill the marriage. Same spirit. Same spirit. Ooh. Maybe the sassiness did last all. Um, That's why it came on. See, when dealing with this issue, this is why the Lord will give an anointing like this. It's there to break that worldly thinking, anti-covenant thinking. That anointing will be there to break the yoke. Watch this. Watch watch where anti-covenant takes you. First of all, he's cursing his son. David must die. Jonathan answered Saul's father and said to him, Why should he be put to death? What has he done? The next thing is, you ignore actual godly advice. He's cursing the people around him that his enemy must die. I mean, there's no other solution. I must kill the covenant. And now I'm not even listening to godly... uh, I'm not listening now to godly counsel. Watch this. 33. Then Saul hurled... His spear at him to strike him down. And his son. So Jonathan knew that his father had decided to put David to death. Yeah. What was the indicator? Gracious. Jonathan's talking to him. Why must he die? What has he done? Saul. <laughs> his spear. You know, not, not the Nerf gun. Not the nerf dot. Oh yeah, rebellious! Not the nerf gun, his spear at Jonathan, His spear hurls it at his own son. 34: Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and did not eat food on the second day of the new moon, for he was grieved over David because his father had dishonored him. Whoa! Whoa, 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 whoa. Jonathan's covenant caused him to be grieved over the dishonor of David more than an honor to his blood father. We realize, do we realize we're reading godliness in Jonathan? It's not ungodliness, it's something celebrated Should he honor his father? Yes. Should he be submitted to his father? Yes, absolutely. But what is God saying is even more important? A godly covenant relationship in that place. In other words, so even in marriages, many times what you see is you see the relationship from a a spouse to their parents stronger than the godly covenant where two become one between the two spouses. It's incorrect. But Jonathan, what's he doing? He's saying, look, I know I need to honor my father as well, but I'm, I'm more grieved over the dishonor to David, my covenant man, my covenant person. He said he is grieved because his father had dishonored the person he was in covenant with. Now it came about in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field. You see the same thing later in David's life when uh, he meets Abigail and Abigail's husband, was a wretched man, and uh, Nabal, I believe his name is, he's a wretched man. And, you know, Abigail should be submitted to her husband, but Nabal was doing immoral, ungodly things, making ungodly choices, and she supported the anointing of God over that ungodliness, and God blessed her for it. A lot of people, they don't realize this, they don't see these things. There is a line, you know, you only have authority as you support the morality that's been given with that authority. Authority ceases when your obedience to uh, God ceases. Authority ceases when your obedience to God ceases. All right. Now it came about in the morning... ...that Jonathan went out into the field... ...for the appointment with David... ...and a little lad was with him. And he said to his lad, ...Run, find now the arrows which I'm about to shoot. And as the lad was running... He shot an arrow past him. When the lad reached the place of the arrow which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan called after the lad and said, Is not the arrow behind you? And Jonathan called after the lad, Hurry, be quick, and, and do not stay. And Jonathan's lad picked up the arrow and came to his master. But the lad was not aware of anything. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. They'd made a, uh, they had made a decision that basically if it... If it went this way, the situation had just happened, David would know Saul was going to kill him. He says, Then Jonathan gave his weapons to the lad and said to him, Go, bring them to the city. When the lad was gone, David rose from the south side and fell on his face to the ground, bowed three times, and they kissed each other and wept. But David wept the more. Jonathan said to David, Go in safety inasmuch as we have sworn to each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord will be between me and you and between my descendants and your descendants forever. Then he rose and departed while Jonathan went into the city. Jonathan went to his covenant person and he said, Listen, I'm going to uphold this protection in this covenant. You understand that in a covenant in a covenant, you love the other person as you love yourself. You would do for them what you would want done for you. This is the greatest commandment, or, you know. In that, the greatest commandment in the second: love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it: love your neighbor as yourself. What is he saying? Be in covenant with one another. Be in covenant protect them, uphold them, bless them, be in covenant with one another. God is a covenant God. You will not walk in the blessing of God in its fullness until you move to the place where you are covenant-minded and covenant-hearted. covenant, uh, covenant hearted. You must be a covenant person. And a covenant person is convicted By their choices and their commitments, they don't make them lightly. They do not make them lightly, but when they make them, they stand by them. They're covenant people. That's why they're not liars, because that is a choice, and it's a commitment to my word. They understand that my words are not supposed to be wrong or idle. It's a covenant choice. The people of God are covenant people. Say it with me. I... I will be a covenant person from this day forward. I will be a covenant person from this day forward. I will be a covenant person from this day forward. Hallelujah. That is your destiny. Your destiny in God is to be a covenant person And as you step into covenant, you literally take God by the hand and the life that's in Him and the favor and the power and the authority and the blessing that's in Him, you take Him by the hand and your life will be empowered in favor, in promotion, in blessing. You will be a covenant person from this day forward. You will step into covenant. You will be loyal. You will watch the godly connections. I'm thinking right now, I don't know if she's watching or not, but I'm thinking right now. Hey, Dermot Landy, I love you, man. Um, I'm thinking right now about Kimberly Howard. Uh, She and I and her husband met on a plane And the power of God, it was a strange circumstance. We were never supposed to be on the plane together. Yet, we get on the plane, it's like the next day from when our flight was supposed to be from mine, and all of a sudden we meet. It is a God encounter. God linked and made covenant together. And multiple times now, that day, she recommitted her, her life to Christ. Over a period of time, she called Nicole and I, I remember one day we were sitting there she, she said I need some help with figuring this out and we said you need the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost will empower you the Holy Ghost will instruct you all of a sudden she receives the Holy Spirit right over the phone the Holy Ghost comes on her she starts praying in the Holy Spirit the power of God envelops her life it was over the phone she's in, she's in Texas we're in North Carolina but it was a covenant relationship that God knit together even this morning, she posted. She posted on Instagram. She was like, "I'm so thankful for, for people in my life and putting and I on there." I'm like, "Oh my goodness, that's covenant." You recognize the links that God connects. You recognize the people that He's put in your life. You recognize the people. It's like Dermot. Love you too, man. He's Dermot uh, uh, Humphreys, or he's in Kenya. You recognize Dermot was in Nigeria the same time I was just a couple of months ago. You start watching, and these people are there at the same places, like Dermot is. All of a sudden you realize there's a deeper relationship here that God has. You know, I see Dermot different differently. He's from Ireland. I see him differently than I see other people. Why? Because there's something God's done. All of a sudden, we're at the same place at the same time. We're listening to the same people, meeting the same people, advancing the gospel together. That's not by coincidence. One of the greatest relationships I have in my life right now is Brother Tracy Harris. You know how I met him? The Lord told me specifically to go to a set of meetings. And then I, I kept going to those meetings as the Lord directed me over the years. It came about that I'd be walking down the hall, turn the corner, and I'd run in to Brother Tracy. I, it happened so many times that eventually my mind caught up and was like, duh, God is doing something here. He's trying to introduce me to this man. I meet him, and, and honestly, at the beginning, I'm like, I don't even know if I'm, I like this guy. I'm not sure. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. I mean, he seems nice enough, but I've seen people with tendencies like him that have been fake. The question is, is he fake or is he real? Find out he's the real deal. He's the real deal. All of a sudden I say, oh, this, I, I realize this is a link that God is making. This is a covenant connection. Now this man's like a spiritual father to me. There's more stuff God has done. Supernatural stuff. Nobody would even see it or get it or understand. But I see it. Nicole and I see it. And it was all supernatural connections of, of God. And all of a sudden, and many times, I'll talk to him. He'll speak a word and the power of God will flow into our lives. This, these covenant connections is how the power of God flows. For many people, it starts where God plants them in the church. They might not esteem it like that at the beginning. They might, act, might not actually know what's going on. But it's a covenant connection of God when they plant themselves. It says this, go to Psalm 92 and verse 13 and 14. Psalm 92, verse 13 and 14, really quick. This is a covenant connection. And when you you are planted in in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says, but God has placed the members in the body just as He desires, where He has covenant connection. And we think that God's just going to up and flip that around every two or three years. Do you know what covenant is? Do we know? I would say in America as a whole, we haven't known. Yet, today's a different day for us. Amen? Today is a different day. Yet, today is a different day. He, he says this. He says, God, God placed the members in the body, in the church, as He desires. That's God's covenant-minded, covenant thinking that said, here's where I want them to be in covenant. And then he says this. He says... Watch this. Psalm 92, verse 13. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. Planted in the house of the Lord. What is that? And over in Luke, it says, I think it's Luke 16. It says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies. In other words, that seed to plant itself, it goes into the field, it goes into the ground and must come to nothing. It must give itself wholeheartedly to the connection, to the covenant thing. But God says, when I've placed you in a body of Christ and you give yourself to that covenant connection you'll flourish in the courts of heaven. This is a place of covenant and and people don't understand it and that's why they're not walking in the flourishing and the blessing. Yet today, for the ones hearing this message, I will walk in the blessing of covenant from this day forward. Just put it in the comments. Receive it for yourself right now. Yet today, I will walk in the blessing of covenant. Yet today, I will walk in the blessing of covenant this is for you this is for us today yet today i will walk in the blessing of covenant hallelujah (laughs) hallelujah hallelujah i receive it with you God is changing stuff. He is doing stuff in your life. I receive it with you today. I'm excited for you. I know that as you receive this word, I know that today your life changes forever because you're a covenant person. Glory to God. I know, I know, yet today I will walk in the blessing of covenant from this day forward, yet today, amen. Yet today I will walk in the blessing of covenant of the covenant hallelujah father i just pray right now thank you lord lord let our eyes of understanding be enlightened let them see so clearly what is your will and what isn't your will what is your will and what isn't your will yet today lord let us see your covenant heart like jonathan and david had thank you father hallelujah hallelujah thank you lord you're blessing people today lord you're blessing people Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Just pray this with me today. There may be somebody watching either live or in the archive, and you're saying, I don't know what you're even talking about. Maybe you don't even know. I don't even know what you're talking about, but I can feel something happening inside of me. Or maybe you do know what I'm talking about, but you still sense the Holy Spirit's pull on you to something higher. Pray this with me. Just say, Father, today I desire to be in covenant with you. What I need more than anything is to be a proper member of the family of God. And to do that, I need to receive the sacrifice that Jesus offered me with his life. Today, speak it with me, say it with me. Jesus You're the Lord and Savior of my life. I receive you by faith as the Lord and Savior of my life. And I believe you died for me, took my sins, and I repent of those sins. I'm I'm not going back. I'm not doing, I'm going to do things God's way. That's what it means to make Jesus Lord. I'm going to do things God's way for the rest of my life because I believe that that way is better for me. I put down sin. I will not walk in it again. And I believe that when Jesus died, God brought him back to life with his supernatural power and love. And he raised him up to the highest honor. And I believe that God did not leave me in that place of death either. But he raised me to a new creation. I'm now born again in Christ. And I'm, as the Bible says, I'm seated with him in heavenly places of authority. I in him and him in me. Jesus, I ask right now, make yourself real to me on a level that I've never had before. And here's important. Even if you receive Jesus again, this is important. Speak this with me. Pray it with me. Jesus, I ask you, baptize me. Fill me with your precious Spirit, with your Holy Spirit. I ask you, Jesus, baptize, overflow me, consume me with your fire. In the name of Jesus, that I might be changed forever and do great and mighty things through Christ. Father, right now I just ask that as this change happens in each person that's praying or hearing this, Lord, let them be changed forever in terms of covenant. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your covenant. Thank you, Father, for your covenant. Lord, you made covenant with us forever. You said, I will love you with an everlasting love. You said, we will never taste of your anger and wrath again. Father, we receive your covenant, and we give to you our covenant heart to live like Christ would live every day for the rest of our lives. We're in covenant with you for eternity. In Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for joining with us today. If you have a question, uh, go ahead and drop it in the comments. And uh, quickly I'll try to answer one or two if anybody has one. And uh, uh, also if you would like to give... Uh, you're welcome to give. If you're on Facebook, you can just type in hashtag donate in the comments followed by the amount that you'd like to give. Or whether no matter where you're at, you can go to givebc.org, givebc.org. And uh, you're always welcome to sow into the gospel there. Uh, nobody has to. This is a free broadcast. We give it to everybody free. Yet we've found that because of, of course, in the word, um, we've found that people want to give that God will drop it in their heart to give and sow, so that other people can rise up into the blessings like covenant today. And uh, so if that's you, uh, you can just, you can give away. And uh, I see that, Kevin, thank you so much for donating and sowing. You're not just giving and it's gone. You're not just donating and it's, and it's not in your account anymore. When you give to God, in Mark 10, it says this, when you give for my name's sake or for the gospel's sake's, you will receive now in this lifetime and in the time to come. And so what he's saying there is this. You're not just giving. You're not just donating. You are sowing. You are planting seeds. And there's a harvest to be had. So glory to God. Father, we just praise you. We love you. Thank you, Father, for everybody that uh, has heard this message today. I just thank you for their life. Lord, let them rise up in new levels in Jesus' name. Father, yeah, glory to God. Father, amen thank you lord just help me understand what you're showing me there thank you i saw a vision when i was praying earlier and uh, i don't fully understand it uh, yet but i will thank you lord thank you father glory to god lord right now let everybody that's hearing this let them move towards pentecost this year in a faith and expectation, a hopeful, joyful, confident expectation and lord like they've never had before. And I declare in the name of Jesus, may this Pentecost be like one they've never experienced before, on a level they've never experienced before. Jesus in the name of Jesus, Father, bring it to pass in their lives, let there be a supernatural explosion of your will on the earth as it is in heaven through them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just, just shout hallelujah with me. Hallelujah. Lord, we receive it. We receive supernatural. Lord, bring it about. Bring it about in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Well, I don't see any questions, and so we will move on and move towards closing. We love you. We'll be back tomorrow. It's going to be awesome and uh, we just praise God for you and are excited uh, to see all of the testimonies that God brings about in your life. I love watching it. Unlike King Saul, who didn't like the anointing on David, I love seeing the anointing on you, and I'm excited for what he's bringing about in your life. Uh, You know, Brother Tracy said something to me. He said, our vision only comes to pass when God brings about your destiny and your vision in your life, and I I uh, will, I have that same sentiment inside of me. I wanna see you fulfill the fullness of the destiny beyond you can even ask or think that God has for your life that He had written in His plan before you were even formed in the womb. God has great things planned for you, great business, great ministry, great exploits in God. Let them be to the full till they overflow in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you. Have a great day. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.